Welcome to X2M77. Yes. Welcome, everyone. Good morning. Psalms 91. So, we, you know, we don't have to strive to get into a place uh, because the, I remember years ago the Lord said, you know, hey, I'm going to go from, uh, I want you to move from place to person. And so a lot of our focus has been, it concerns placement, placing, platforms, but the Lord himself is a person. And so this, this uh, transformation is happening with us is about the personhood of God. The, uh, Christ in us right now, the hope of glory. It's not trying to get into a place, but it's about the person. And that's what David knew when he was establishing the ark of God. And, and he had it under a tent. Uh, why? Because he, he said that there's completely full access to the personhood of God. And so we don't have to... Um, but ourselves have been so uncomfortable uh, because of what happened during the fall, but no more, you know, no more of this. So as for you, as for you, the one, the one who lives in the shelter, as for you, the one who lives in the shelter. in this shelter think about this as for you as for you the one who lives in the shelter where do I live well in the place where I live and move and have my being where do I live as for you the one who's living the one who's living in the shelter of the Most High you see this as for you I'm in the shelter of the sovereign one and reside in the protective shadow of the mighty king. And so the shelter of God, the shelter of the sovereign one is upon us like the shelter that came down when Mary was overshadowed. She was overshadowed in the place of the most high God. Yeah, and so the dissension of the, uh, the dissension of the dove here this morning. 
I say this about the Lord, my shelter and my stronghold. You're my God in whom I place all my trust. Say about the Lord, my shelter and my stronghold, my God in whom I trust. Maybe you say this to the Lord this morning. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I place all my trust in you. I transfer my trust over to you right now. I give you my trust. I give you myself. I know that you'll rescue us from the snare of the haunter and from the destructive plague. I'll shelter you, says the Lord, in his wings, and you will find safety under his wings. His faithfulness is like a shield. Your faithfulness, O Lord, is a protective shield and a protective wall to us. I say to you and about you, Lord, that you're faithful. Faithful are you, Yahweh. Faithful are you, Lord. fear any terror by night in the air that flies by day how are we going to make it we don't need to know the plague no matter if there's a plague that swept our land that's placed in darkness or disease that comes at noon though a thousand may fall at my though a thousand may fall at my and a multitude at my right a thousand at my left ten thousand at my right not reach me. Certainly you will see it with your very own eyes. You will see the wicked paid back. For you have taken refuge in the Lord. You're my shelter. You're my sovereign one. No harm is going to overtake you. No illness is going to come in your home. his angels to protect you and all that you do and they'll lift up you in their hands so that you will not slip and fall on a stone you subdue the lion and the snake you will trample underfoot a young lion and a serpent the Lord says because you're devoted to me I will deliver you and I'll protect you because you are loyal to me when you call out to me, I will answer you. And I will be with you in all your trouble. And I will be with you and rescue you. And I will bring you honor. I'll satisfy you with long life. these issues. No, not in the shelter of the Most High. I'll give you long life. And I will let you view my own salvation for you. God, a rock, God, a rock. Take me up to a rock that's higher than I. Climb up into the heavens, church. Ascend.
in the heavens. Now because there, there is an ascension of the, what Stephen is singing about, rise, O Lord. It says in Psalms 132, rise, O Lord, to your resting place, you in the ark of your strength. But there's a, um, there's an altar I think it was Jay Hudson Taylor, but he, I, if it's not right, but um, I wrote, there's a book wrote that was called The Altar and the Tent, and he speaks about how the Lord will bring us to an altar. You see this with, you see this with the patriarchs especially, but he'll bring us to, to an altar, and sometimes when we're brought up to that altar, we have to place He's asking us to place something on the altar sometimes. Well, it may be something we've held on to, or um, it may be ourselves. It, it could be our past. It could be something like that. I, I can't say, but uh, that's not for me to say. And sometimes when we come up to that altar experience, we um, it's a real transfer of trust because he's asking us for something. And uh, even this morning, uh, as we are ascending into the heavens, for us to go to keep climbing, there's there's this transfer of trust that has to happen. Now, only a Holy Spirit can do this, so I, I can't do this, but all I can do is call it because He's telling me to. Um, what good is an idol? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 18. Why would a craftsman make it? What good is a metal image that gives misleading oracles? Why, why consider its creator? Why place its trust in it? Remember, this is a temple that he's building that is not made with man's hands. All we can do is, in a simple way, as our hands are behind our back, is transfer our trust over to him. Even this morning, even at a new capacity, maybe something. I ask the Holy Spirit to just reveal. I, I can't say what it is, and we don't we don't have to get into like objects and things like that. But just it's just a trust transfer. Lord, I just transfer my trust over to you. But you don't need to focus on the object. He, you focus on Him. So it's just gaze up, look at the Lord, 
because he's doing a purification this morning in our hearts. And we purify my heart, Lord, purify my mouth, oh God. Take anything that's unclean in me, Lord, and purify me even with my kisses, Lord. The Holy Spirit, I pray, where your blood covers and where your blood has purchased everything and you've already finished this work, Lord, we're climbing up, coming up into you to be known by you, to be fully indwelt by you. Lord, we transfer our trust over to you right now because it creates a barrier uh, for our ascent, but we just transfer over to you. living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. You paid for this, Jesus. By your blood, you purchased us. You purchased us, Lord. You purchased our freedom. For the whom the Son says free is free indeed.
there's an exchange happening. So, um, <laughs> come on, guys. So, um, <laughs> what I was hearing from the Lord was the, the uh, word lung diffusion. And I, I uh, brought it up to uh, Dr. Victory. And I think he has something from the Lord on this. I want you to hear what he has to say. to our health, our life, and there's all the passages about the breath of life, right, and that there's so many practices, ancient practices of breathing in the Spirit that people will apply and get deeply blessed by, and there was one aspect of just that, the importance of breath, but the paragraph he showed me was a very specific type of lung diffusion, and it actually had to do with the immune system in the lungs, and I have no idea if this applies to anybody in this room or any of your family members right now. But people who've had the COVID-19 infection, there's a phenomenon that's lasting in many of them. And it is a persistent lung inflammatory condition uh, that causes respiratory disorders. And there's not a lot that people know what to do about it right now. So they're coming back to doctors and complaining of cough and shortness of breath. And imaging studies are showing the damage, but there's no treatment paradigms. And uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to get their lungs to heal 
So I don't know. I don't know if the reason why when he looked up lung diffusion, it was one of the kind of odd things you would see, which had to do with the immune system in the lungs. So maybe there are people in this room or people in your family or people you know who have experienced from COVID possibly some persistent pulmonary issues. And if that's the case, we could pray for healing because God can heal that. Um, absolutely, I've already seen it in my practice, people with these issues being completely healed and all signs of the inflammation and all symptoms going away. And there are a lot of other people suffering, so I will pray for that. Lord, you gave us our lungs, you filled them with breath, you breathed your life into us. Uh, it's so important. There's so many aspects of breath that are just obviously integral to our life, but also integral to our relationship with you. And I pray, Lord, that we do breathe in right now that breath of life, right? That we are filled with your spirit as we breathe you in. And that as we exhale out, we exhale all distrust, all fear, anything that's keeping us from you, Lord. So in the deepest way, heal us through our breath. But I'm also praying for anybody right now, anybody in your body, anybody in this room, anybody connected, anybody in this room, that if something has happened to their lungs, something because of COVID or some other factor, and it's causing problems and they need their breath restored, that you would pour healing into them, Lord. Because you can do this. You can reach into those lungs and you can remake them. You can work on the biological level, the subatomic level, or you can do it in the quantum level. You can just remake us. And you've proven that. So Lord, I do pray for healing in every way we need it, right? Restore our breath, restore our lungs, allow us to breathe you in deeply and shout out your name, Lord. And I pray for anybody who does need this healing that right now they could experience it, that they could have hope, that they could have belief, that they don't have to live that way, that you want to restore their breath. And we thank you, Jesus, because you are a healer and you proved it when you walked with us and you've proven it ever since. In your great name I pray, amen. my 
my eyes and let me see you here and open my ears and let me hear you here oh what the spirit is saying to the churches of holiness burn in me the distinct quality of you the distinct quality of you because I feel this hunger it's boiling inside my chest Oh, 
inside my chest can be fulfilled in this world it's only by you it's how I know I'm not made for here I'm made for you made for you I'm made for you I'm made for to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And actually, I, I told Carol as I got back into worship, I really do feel like something came to me to share about this uh, lung diffusion concept, and it was just dawning on me. I was thinking about, you know, how dependent we are on our breath. We don't think about it because we're immersed in a world of oxygen. We don't, we, but we take it for granted. I'm not saying that nobody's grateful for the oxygen, but we're not thinking about that almost ever until we're in an environment where that oxygen is withheld, and within seconds we're going to start to panic because we're so dependent upon the oxygen to be able to live, and God designed it that way. Um, these levels of dependency, food, water, and ultimately air, which would seem to be the, obviously the, the one that's most necessary because we only have a couple of minutes without it and our physical frame will no longer be able to exist uh, with life in it if we lose that. But how much more, it just dawned on me as I was thinking about one, how grateful that he immersed us in air right yeah. that we don't have to worry about this that our father gives this to us and we don't have to even think about it it's around us all the time something we're so dependent upon we don't even have to think about it's just given to us right but how much even more the all the on the deeper levels the substance of our being completely dependent upon him like every single moment we walk not just in a world of oxygen we walk in a world of his spirit and on the deepest levels he's allowing us to exist right like the particles that make up our being would stop vibrating and we would dissolve if he didn't have his eyes upon us sustaining us and keeping us alive and how much more i wish i could just stay awake to that every moment that i'm walking it under his eyes in his being 
and that he is keeping me alive, that that level of dependency, right, that's even more so than the breath, right, anyway. Actually, I just want to say that again, it's even more so than the breath. I think that was very poignant, it's even more so than the breath. think of our physical body as a representation, let's call it, of our spiritual body. If our physical body relies on air that much, how much more does our spiritual body, which actually gives the physical body the form? So it's even more than the breath, his spirit, his, hisness. simple verse, the Lord God formed the man from the soil of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. taking your eyes off of me thank you thank you you know me thank you you know you know you know me I'm looking at you looking at 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 me in your eyes I see my reflection Oh, I'm looking at you, looking at me. Oh, thank you, thank you. Songs of gratefulness, songs of gratefulness. Oh, oh, let my heart pour forth like oil. Gratefulness and gladness for all that you are. Even when I don't know, when I can't see, oh. Even more than my breath, I thank you for you. Oh, where would we be? Nothing. Thank you. I'm looking at you, looking at me. 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 all-consuming fire looking at me looking into me 
Kelly Manning just brought this forward and she would have read it, but she didn't have her uh, glasses. I've seen and read this a couple times and actually have breathed it in the past few days, remembering that he is in control. There was a moment when Moses had the nerve to ask God what his name is. And God was gracious enough to answer and the name he was recorded in the original Hebrew was yod heh vav And as you know, he also will say Hashem because we've been through this. But in this yod heh vav Shalene uh, writes this, over time we've arbitrarily added an A and an E in there to get Yahweh, presumably because we have a preference for vowels. But scholars and rabbis have noted that the letters yod heh vav represent breathing sounds or aspirated consonants. When pronounced without intervening vowels, it actually sounds like breathing. Um, so it'd be yod hey is inhale, and vav hey exhale. So baby's first cry, his first breath speaks the name of God. A deep sigh calls his name or a groan or a gasp that is too heavy for just mere words. Uh, we found out too, uh, a rabbi found this out, it was sent to me by the McManuses about, I don't know, three or four months ago that when they, when the word tied the sulfuric acid chains together, forgive me if I'm not saying this right, but when DNA was formed in the sulfuric chains, they found uh, four numbers that were related to that chain, and the four numbers they found matched with yod heh vav -Hey. And so, even in the uh, gematria of the actual uh, letter, it's for yod heh vav -Hey is uh, the sulfuric chains that ties your DNA together. I try to like do the best I can with this, but as you ascend in atmosphere, we have five major atmospheres. Um, we have a troposphere that you're in right now, and then it, it goes up to so many kilometers, and then it climbs into the stratosphere. You have, I believe, the mesosphere, thermosphere, and exosphere. Because we're in an ascension, to the sapphire throne and goes back to the original Psalms 132 rise O Lord your resting place and, and we come up to that altar I said uh, Lord what's going on he said well <clears throat> I want to deal with diffusion in the lungs why because as you climb an atmosphere you you lose a certain uh, pressure decreases as atmosphere increases, okay? And what does that mean? That means the molecules are further apart because pressure decreases. Temperature also decreases, so it takes, in the thermosphere, there's an inversion, 
but as you go on through the exosphere, the inversion changes. And, 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 and these inversions, there's a change, but for the most part, you're gonna see a decrease in pressure and a decrease in temperature. Well, we are in a spiritual ascent. Um, I woke up this morning by the Lord, which thankfully let me sleep in a little bit. But he said, he's, he kept saying this verse, and I ascended into the heavens, and I, out of Hebrews. He ascended through the heavens. And a lot of, there's not a lot on this, but they, we, we have found, I have found uh, location points in the heavens in the ascension that Jesus went through freely when he passed through the heavens. Uh, for us, there's a, it's, it's graduated in, in a way. So, so what am I saying? What are you saying, Carol? You're, you have to learn to breathe heaven. Because when God made Adam, he called him a living soul. But through Jesus, he is a life-giving spirit. Right? I believe this is in Corinthians. Maybe 15. I'm, I'm not sure exactly. But he called Adam a living soul. But he called, he called him, Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. And so where there's this transformation and transfiguration is happening in us. When I first met Kara, we, we had went out on a date and she said, you know, um, I'm breathing you in. And I thought that girl was, didn't know what you said? Well, I, But it was the most oddest comment I've ever heard in my life. Her first question to me was, what's your favorite color? And I thought, I don't know. I didn't know how we were ever going to make it together with that kind of, you know, what's your favorite color? I didn't know how so far ahead she was. I thought I was zooming ahead. She's asking and saying some statements that now we come down, oh, your favorite color, well, blue, red, purple, you know, everything is so simple, but yet so profound. And then, but she said that to me. I remember where we were at, actually. We were in Matthews, North Carolina, on the backside of Sam's Club. And, and she was telling me about a friend of hers. And she says, I just want to breathe you in. And I said, oh, my God. It's the oddest thing I've ever heard, you know. And now I'm like, that's the most profound thing I've ever heard. You know, it took 21 years for me to catch up to her. But, but, but think about this. Um, uh, because we're graduating in the school of sonship and inheritance we, we're coming through sonship we're coming into heirship we're going to throneship and in the school of the heirs all of us being joint heirs with Christ we're rising in, in the uh, atmosphere we're being caught up but now we need to know how to breathe differently because the pressure is not the same. And the temperature is decreasing, the pressure is decreasing. The way, how am I viewing pressure? Because this is what I found. The Lord said to me, you want affection or affliction? I was like, affection, I'm tired of affliction. Come up into me then. Remain in me. Remain in my love. You can have all the affection. You don't have to have affliction. Why are you having affliction? You're falling out of the heavens. 
back out of the shelter of the Most High, you're starting to conceive things out of your own understanding, your own mind. He's like, cast that off, come in to me and be with me. But Lord, that air, that air, well, you don't want pressure anymore, do you? No, I don't. So pressure decrease, temperature uh, decrease. So now what do we need if, if that's happening? Well, I need him to, he's going to have to support my whole frame now. I'm not my own. So how am I going to keep myself from uh, imploding? Um, I, I did atmospheric chambers uh, in uh, aviation, and they, they, they put us up, you know, uh, in an atmospheric chamber. And, and they handled the, uh, the pressure, and then they brought us back down to sea level. That did not smell good because it messes with your internal organs, because your internal, your intestines, they will expand because the pressure's not against them. So when they bring you back down to sea level, it all comes out. We're all in this atmospheric chamber. That was stinky. Very stinky. What am I saying? What am I saying? If, if it, it doesn't smell good and it doesn't look good when we drop out of the most high. You were made for him. I was made for him. I was made for love. And nothing else is going to work. And when I drop out, it gets stinky. We hurt each other. We do things we shouldn't. Why? Because we're not. It's like Stephen seeing and Brad said so many times, eyes on you. Here he is looking at me, looking at him, look, you know, looking at me, looking at him, back and forth, this exchange. This is the Psalm 91 reality. What? Disease can't touch me. Sickness can't pervade me. Why? Because I'm in the shelter of the Most High. Pressure decreases. Temperature decreases. What does the Lord do? He's like, I'll put a fire on you. Fire on your heart. I'll be a flame of fire and the decrease of temperature, I'll be a flame within. Pressure, I'll hold your pressure. But I would do it by affection instead of affliction. Now, do you see the difference? You don't have to be under affliction all the time. Financial, health, relationship. Do you know that all of that is trying to drive you? The Lord will do whatever he can. You start falling out of the, the most high. You know what? Pre pressure increases. Does it not? But there is a safety in the shelter of the most high. There's a safety in him, and, and we, we've got to believe Scripture and what it says in Psalms 91. A thousand will fall at my... Ten thousand. Why? Because I'm, the ark of God is installed. The blood, like I was mentioning before, that was shed at the cross now is applied at the mercy seat. I don't know if y'all know this, but there was he shed it at the cross, but when he went up into the heavens and passed through the heaven, he applied the blood at the mercy seat. It's two different operations. We haven't known this a lot in the church. You haven't heard this spoke up probably very much. I don't if you've ever heard it. He brought this understanding to me. I'm not, I didn't just shed it at the cross. I applied it at the mercy seat. Why? Nicodemus, I'm trying to tell you things of the earth. If you don't know that, you must be born again. Born by, born by what was shed. But listen, ascending into that which is applied. And what we want, what we want this morning, well, what Holy Spirit is saying. Let me sow like a ply because you have to let him to be set. 
Let me, let me, and then I'll set you like we talked about setting the seal last week. Let me apply this wine so you can stay ascended in me. You don't need to drop out of love. You don't need to base things on what your eyes see or what your ears hear, but your eyes and your ears are completely immersed into him. And you say, I'm going to let you be my breath and my, uh, I breathe you in. Like this, you know. Yod, hey, Vav, hey. Yod, hey, Vav, hey. Do you know what Yahweh means is the God who keeps covenant? What has been the issue? Covenantal loyalty. Why? We get our eyes on so many other things and the words like, look at me. Just look at me. My soul longs for you. I just I was made for affection. The Lord said to my Lord, sit until your enemies are your footstool. Why? Why? You know why they're a footstool? Because you're ascending up into the heavens. Everything's underneath your feet. It's all underneath you. You're because you're climbing. Atmosphere break. Break through another atmosphere. Okay, yeah, right now. Reach another atmosphere. Ascend, O Lord, to your resting place. Christ in us, the hope of glory.
James. Yeah. Just when Paul's talking about, you know, we run a race and we run to win, you know, to to not just drop out, but to to go all the way. When you're when you're racing, you've you've got to regulate your breathing. If you're sprinting, you know, you're not going the distance. You can you can kind of uh, get get the the oxygen in to invigorate everything that that's needed to just do that little sprint. But I've been just praying all day yesterday just for just certain things, and and Sarah's like really in tune to to the noises I make, which just sounds kind of crazy. But like when I'm stressed, I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> When I'm in, in a prayer race, I'm like, ooh, ooh, you know? And I just remember sometimes there's attacks when, when you're running that race and you've got to know how to breathe. Um, and we were uh, going over the Ezekiel prophecy of building up an army and when I was in the army, we had to always, when we were wearing our full gear, we had to have a gas mask on our hip. And, and you had three seconds, because neurological um, agent gas was like, you've got like four seconds before you're dead. You have to get it on. You gotta be like aware of what's happening. And once, um, I heard the alarm, and it was a drill. It wasn't the real thing, but I put on the mask, and I grabbed my weapon, and I ran to, to our front line to protect the base. And, and I, it was the first time running in a gas mask, and I didn't know how to breathe. And, and I w was breathing too fast, like I was sprinting and not controlling my breath. 
and, and everything went black. <laughs> and I hit the ground, and my sergeant flipped me over, ripped off my mask, and told me, breathe, breathe. I mean, I was full on thinking, this is it, you know, I'm gonna die, there's, there's gas agent. And he, he, knew that he knew better, but we need to, to regulate how, how we breathe him in. Sometimes we breathe him in like, oh, you know? Sometimes when we're, when we're running the race in prayer, Just wanted to share that. It'll, it'll, get us, it'll get us to the end. Yeah. <clears throat> Something that comes to me in what James is sharing is um, <clears throat> kids this morning, we were talking about um, the four cardinal virtues on the way here. Uh, and I was asking them if they knew the four cardinal virtues and um, because we type them out as prophet, priest, judge, and king is the way I've wanted to teach them and the prophetic in, is it, it deals in a cardinal virtue of prudence so it's it's to, to be mindful of what's coming in front of us temperance is for priesthood uh, judgment or right ju justice it comes from the judge and they encourage for uh, kingship and in Christ we find this uh, at the at the cross, we find these these four aspects in him: prophet, priest, judge, and king. But I, I asked him. I said, "Do you know about the fifth one? The uh, the fifth cardinal virtue? No, no." And I said, "And this gets at what you're saying, James, um, is fortitude." And I heard a talk from a C.S. Lewis a lecture on fortitude, and they they were breaking down fortitude of attack and fortitude of endurance. And so uh, I, I believe that that's actually what you're speaking of is now without the four cardinal virtues, you can't lay over it a, let's say a fifth dimensional or a fifth virtue because the four cardinal are, are laid out and you need, you need those to be able to understand actually what he's saying, fortitude of attack and fortitude of endurance. Uh, so in the running of the race, it, there's a long endurance involved in our life and so there's this calmness that begins to take over us this morning we need to just breathe be at peace but there are times you we do this actually in worship to model life really uh, because th this is the reason why the saints gather together and worship a lot of it is just uh, discipleship modeling this is how you live all the time you live in worship. You, you live this way in your home. You may not have Stephen there, but, but, uh, but you live this way not because he's God of the mountain and the valley. And let's say as we're gathered around the holy mountain of Zion that he's here with us for sure, but he's also God in your home. He's, he's God in your home and the enemy's under your feet in your home, your household. And so... So there's prophet, priest, judge, and king at home. And what appears sometimes to be the mundane, everyday things, let's not miss him in the middle of that, but realize that, yes, there is a fortitude of endurance and fortitude of attack. This idea of fortitude, 
is, uh, is valor. Okay, and so valor or like this fortitude is kind of like this. I don't know, have y'all ever heard this phrase before? Um, what is the better part of valor? You know that? What's that? Discretion. Yes. The better part of fortitude or valor is discretion. Why is this important? Because courage alone is good, but courage that wants to be seen is dangerous. And so we need valor because valor doesn't need to be seen. Valor may be seen, but valor doesn't need to be seen because there's a discretion. And so, so much of our identity, actually, uh, many of us have dealt with so many identity issues. And so, what does God do? He says, he says, come to Bethlehem, the place where you're meant to be celebrated, but no one knows. And come to Jerusalem, the place where everybody knows and you don't want anybody to know. <laughs> do you see... And in that way, you find valor. You find valor at the cross. You're fully exposed, and you don't want anybody to see. And at Bethlehem, when you want to be celebrated, and hardly anybody shows up, you need both of those to have valor. And Jesus modeled that as a child and as a man. He's a man child. My dad, for years, he always, he'd say, once a man, twice a child. And so the Lord's driving us more and more into dependency, not independency. Why resist it? <laughs> if you want affection, run towards dependency. If you want affliction, run towards your own independent self. And the Lord will arrange affliction. Not because he don't like you. Because he does, actually. <laughs> he loves you. And in that way, what happens is, it, what produces in this, the human soul is fortitude, valor. You want to see, see this nation changed? Uh, you want to see this world change around us? We need this valor. Actually, they, they've shown this, that this, this valor or fortitude is the thing at which uh, changes whole nations. Um, and you, you can study different, you can study, uh, uh, you know, uh, different works like, uh, and, and see this uh, idea developed across time. And so I want to encourage you in, oh man, I have something special to offer and the Lord's putting his hand on you for a season. Just be still. Why? I'm producing fifth dimensional fortitude in you. Oh man, I feel exposed. People know what's really going on with me now. You know, fortitude. Why? To produce his life in you. It's okay. You know, many of us, I mean, everyone in here, I bet you've been shelved at some time in your life. Or you're in the middle of it. You're like doing something in the back scene. Mamas especially know this. 
I mean, daddies do at their work, but uh, they get a little bit more sometimes. Like, But mamas know that, especially when they're cleaning floors, changing diapers, taking care of things. Nobody sees it. Who's going to say anything about it? You know, it, it's, it's it, God's producing this beautiful fortitude in your heart because valor, discretion is a better part of valor. And um, uh, it's such a lovely nature uh, that happens inside of us. So, so uh, be encouraged in your Bethlehem or your Jerusalem. Be encouraged because what will happen is this covenantal loyalty to Jesus um, really gets instilled in the human heart. How many of y'all have seen that? I think it's a film that's called, uh, oh man, who was the guy that played Batman? Or no, not Batman, the Joker, and Heath Ledger. And then he did a film, The Knight's Tale. Yeah. Y'all know this film? Yeah. You know it? I know it. Uh, that's a one. Remember in the remember that he's like he's just like a regular Joe, but he's going to he's climbing up through the ranks of becoming a knight. But he he doesn't really have the right to be a knight because he don't have the peerage or the family thing going. But he has like skill and everything like that. And then he gets the the princess's eye, and he wants that princess. And um, there's this moment in the uh, story. They're in a um, like a cathedral and a really nice uh, cathedral, and she says something to him, and the next day, he's going to knock off the big, the big cheese, and he's going to be the guy. And she says something really interesting to him. She says, uh, I want you to lose. I remember watching that, and I said, that is the philosophy of the kingdom. Yeah. You're like, no, 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 no. No, I'm going to win. <laughs> I'm not going to do that in front of all those guys. You know, I'm, I got this thing happening. I'm like, I'm the knight. And I mean, I'm qualified and I can take them out. And I've been down, I've been beat down my whole life. And now's my moment. And love's going to have to win out here. And he sa she says, if you really want me, you'll lose for me. And he asked, I mean, it's just like, oh, you're just like cringing. I don't know how other men, how y'all feel. I'm like, come on. You know, I mean, you know, because you want to demonstrate your masculinity to all your guys and show them, <laughs> you know, who the head honcho cheese is out here. Me, you know. Oh, for love, I'll lose for love. And I remember, man, watching that and the word said, is that not what I've said? If you lose your life for my sake and the gospel, you will find it. He ends up, he ends up getting the princess. And he ends up being a victorious knight. So he, rescu he, he goes that route. And I would suggest to you that that route is, um, that takes fortitude. It takes like real, real valor to to appear to others to lose for his sake and the gospel so that he wins in you. And man, when you get a hold of this, uh, it revolutionizes your life. And you know what? He wins in you. And you are found in him. And it is the greatest experience of your entire life is to be known by him. Love becomes Love becomes everything. You live for affection, not more affliction. You just live for love.
And it isn't some kind of squishy, weird thing. No, it's real character. Love is character. Love is the best character. Love doesn't choose your own way. It doesn't choose yourself. It, it's not boastful. Love is not rude. It's not proud. Love is, be- love is amazing. Let me show you a more excellent way. So in fortitude, as you're saying, oh, man, I'm being exposed. Now, I don't want people to know what's going on with me. Because, you know, when you come into the, with the word like that, exposure comes. And we all want to run from it. I mean, I have. I'm like, oh, that felt bad. Words like, let me just open you up and heal you. Let me restore uh, your soul. You know how the hobbits had like a second breakfast? <laughs> well, now we're going to have a second sermon. <laughs> this is your second breakfast. We're not going to spend a long time in this. I believe I've been led this morning into Psalms 110. And I don't think I've ever done this publicly. I have spoke of Psalms 110 a lot. But I don't think I've ever done it this way. And if you have a piece of paper and a pencil or something you can write on, or, and if you don't, I don't know if the Mannings have some kind of, or you might could draw it on your phone. I'm not sure how you could do this. I would suggest that you do this. It will be really helpful. And so what you're just going to draw on your piece of paper is, is a symbol like this. What is that? Uh, it's, 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 right, it's, it's greater, greater over here and less over here. So you're, you're going to just draw something like that. I, I just want to open our eyes up to something I think is really important. So like a, a symbol like this on a piece of paper. And, and then what I want you to do on your piece of paper is um, on, the, on the upper line coming down, and, and before you do it, on the, the point, put number four, okay, at the point. And at the upper point, put a number one. And at the lower point, put a um, number seven. So we're going to have a one, a four, and a seven. If you need, oh, thank you, Jeff. Man. Um, so if you need paper and a pen, uh, get this and, and do this with me. I'm not telling you have to, but I would recommend it. Um, it'll be helpful. And so we're going, to have, we're going to have this greater than on your paper on the left, less than on the right. The top is going to be one, the point is going to be four, and the bottom is going to be seven. Okay? And if you have questions, just, uh, just raise your, or just say, hey, Carol, I'm, I'm lost. Okay? So now in between the one and the four, just in like equal spacing, put two and three. Okay? And at, at the bottom line, the point from the four and the seven equals spacing, put five and six. So, and that we did it this way, um, and then, you know, we can turn the piece of paper because what's going on in Psalms 110 is what we would call tip of the spear. Anybody ever heard that kind of? So when we're when when the apostles in the New Testament, Psalms 110:1 and Psalms 110:4 are the most quoted Old Testament passages used by the apostolic team in the New Covenant. Do you think that it's important 
that if the apostolic team in reference to end times and reference, reference material will quote this passage more than any passage and I don't know how many passages there are, somebody might know here, in the Old Covenant. But out of the whole entire canon of the Old Testament, one chapter, Psalms 110, is more quoted than any other one is, particularly verse 1 and verse 4. One of them's quoted, I think 110, is 25 times, and the other one is 8 times. I, they're heavily quoted, and they're quoted by the guys that are seated right now at the throne. That apostolic band, when push came to shove and they were they were like, let's drop something on the end time remnant. They're like, man, they couldn't get away from Psalms 110. They, they had to put it in their material. It had to be, it had to be there. They, they needed to leave, they were, you know, they're like, I've got to leave a legacy. If I'm gonna leave one, I got to make sure I'm going to have to quote this because uh, those people in that end times, when you're coming back in second advent, they're going to miss something if we don't quote this. And so um, it becomes like very important, obviously. Um, not to say that all the other uh, quoting that they, they will do is not important. It is, but there's a, there's a real import in this area. Now, so, all right, so just to re recap, so we're going to be one, two, three, four, then five, six, and seven. Everybody okay? All right, tip of the sphere, ascension. In the Air Force, we called them pointy heads. <laughs> they were like Tom Gross. He would have been considered a pointy head in the Air Force. These were the guys that were extremely brilliant. They were our... Sometimes they, they would say like four or five sins, and then next thing you know, or like what Lineker does this morning, you're like, whoa. You know, there, you have a pointy head. Why? Because like in your August 21st, 1979, I got it right. I woke up, and where was my head? In the heavens. And uh, right, so I'm a pointy head. And uh, in some way, let the pointy heads be all of us. So we put in... This pointy head is why? Because you're ascending up into the heavens and you, right? It's what they called a forerunner. Uh, it's what they call pioneering. Um, it, it was just, I'm going up, 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 and up. Um, and so there's a, Psalms 110 is this, uh, is this. Now, what, what's going on here? Why don't you have a straw of this? Let me look this up for you just to make sure I give you what this is called no it's not chaos theory um, so in in poetry you have something that's called a chiasm y'all know what a chiasm is well a chiasm has a structure uh, to it and in Psalms 110 is a chiastic structure so what is it like so in a chiasm so when you're thinking about this uh, four is at the point here, but what you do with a chiasm is number one and seven, they have a match to them. And number two and number six match, have a match to them. And number three and number five have a match. So what, what we would do, what you do technically, theolo in theolo you, would, you would put on the bottom numbers, you put a prime 
or an idea of a prime because they would say like A, B, C, D, and then it would go back C, B, A, and then you would call C, B, A down here uh, C prime, B prime, A prime because they're meant to uh, correlate with one another. And so Psalms 110 is a chiastic pattern of this uh, sphere like this. And there are other chiasms in scripture. So you, the way to think about this is it's like the, it's the mode. It's the thing, not the mode in math, but it's like the thing that propels. It would be sort of like the engine. I hop, they talk about harp and bull. It's kind of like harp and bazooka. That's what Kurt Bennett told me one time. He said, y'all don't do harp and bull at MZ Hop. Y'all do harp and bazooka. I was like, wouldn't back, back in the day when you really, and Stephen as well, but you know, it's harp and bazooka. Psalms 110 is like harp and bazooka. It's, you know, it's, it's, okay, the bull is good, but the bazooka, <laughs> you'll see what I mean here in a second. So, so you, have a, you have an idea now that as you're sending, this is the model. This is the way that's to progress forward. Now, you don't need to put this on your paper, but today when we're beginning to enter into another altar, because this morning when the Lord woke me up, he says, you know, this passage in Hebrews, he said, I, he ascended through the heavens. Well, some Hebraic guys and Greek scholars had found that there's a, a process of ascension. And um, two and a half years ago, I was asking the Lord, I was like, how are you supposed to climb through the heavens? I need a, um, like, I don't hardly have anybody teach on what I'm teaching right now. I, I don't know anybody that teaches it really. So I was like, I need a, I need a guide. I know you're the Holy Spirit is God, but okay, I need a map. And he shows me this last year in March, I think it was, or February, he says, I put the map in scripture. And I said, where, where, where? He said, go to Psalms 119. So, so what I, what I kind of want to do is, what I want you to think of is in Ascension, in Psalms 119, you have, what is that called, Psalms 119? Acrostic, thank you, Janie. And so you have an acrostic. And in Psalms 119, there are 22 Hebrew letters. Okay. Psalms 110 is the spear, so to speak, that's going through the 22 letters. And at each letter is an altar. Each letter, there's a, there's a transfer that happens at each letter. And in between each letter are eight verses. And how many of you have read Psalms 119? How many of you got bored half out of your wits? <laughs> I mean, just be a, you're like the word and the word and the word and the word, and the word, and uh, it's actually quite amazing. It's 176 verses, okay? There's eight verses, so if you take eight times 22, you'll get 176. There's eight verses, and in each verse, it is an installation of God's word on the human soul as it progresses by a spear, Psalms 119, into the heavens. Now, Jesus is the word made flesh, so you know why he ascended? Like, because he's already the word. But we have, or not, yet. So, so this is a way you kind of put this. 
I deal with you in death, burial, resurrection, ascension. That's called the gospel. Well, after I resurrect a son from the dead, I will ascend that son to the sapphire throne. So, so here, here's this understanding. Well, I'm so glad to do this. I, I've never done this. I've never talked about this. I live in this all the time. I'm with, this is actually my mode. I have this mode. This is the way I understand. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. Well, the problem is with our words is they don't have the right character. Y'all ever talk to someone and it doesn't seem to be matching up? You know why? Because the letters are off. And, and so there's a Hebraic language, all right, that God wants to install in the human soul. Like, for instance, today we find out yod heh vav heh is, well, that's pretty significant. You tracking with me? You tracking with me, Chris Ford? Okay, because I know if you are, we're on track. No. <laughs> if the ascension model for God, for us, is death, burial, resurrection. I resurrect my son, my daughter, from the dead. And let's say you have this testimony of resurrection in your life. Now, though, because Jesus modeled all this for us, it says he passed through the heavens. So if I wanted to know... You know, I, I'm like, uh, I want to know how, how this works because I don't know. So the Holy Spirit taught me. He says, 22 letters to the sapphire throne. I said, why? He said, because I want to install the letter that's missing in the word back into your human soul. And I want to restore back what was lost. And I said, so there's a resurrection. But in the ascension, there's a, in, in the preparation for transfiguration, there's a reinstallation of letters. And so as you pass through these, um, these verses, they, they're installed back into you. So what happens is, with the Lord, is you will go through something, and he will install his word back into you, what was stripped out because of the fall of Adam. God is basically putting back his divine nature in us, as spoke of in Peter, he's He's installing the letters back so that the word becomes flesh and what? Dwells among us. And we, we know this language, Christ in us, the hope of glory. We know this language, I live and move and have my being in him. But we know too that something is off a little bit. We know something's off, but we can't get our finger on it. Well, the Lord's very um, methodical. People don't think he's like that, but he is. He's very orderly, actually. He's ordered the whole cosmos, it says in Hebrews 1, it's ordered by the word of his power. The what? The word word of his power. So the character of the words has to be restored so that we can actually relate rightly with him. He actually relates a certain way. The Father does. And if there's something missing, it's because of, in the relations office, because we don't understand because something of the characters of the words is mixed up. And a lot, I would, I would suggest a lot of the things that we're going through as people, some of the affliction and problems and things like that are related to the character of the letters, the communication issues we have, the health-related issues we have, and the financial issues that we deal with are related to letters. 
Now, I'm sure, I hopefully, you, you see what I'm saying. So, Psalms 119 is post-resurrection to the sapphire throne. Why? Because when we see him, because why? We'll see him as he is. He's the word made. God wants to install this into us and restore us back. So I, I've heard a lot of like, um, have y'all heard the Henderson Courts of Heaven? Anybody done that and the altars? And there's some other guys, they do something on this, but I want to suggest it's a little bit more complex in the sense that there's 22 different aspects, 22 letters. And they're very, very unique, these letters are. I have, uh, Janie actually let me borrow a book, and I just, I bought one, and I make just a reference point. It's called um, In His Own Words by Grant, Grant Lutton. I would suggest it as a um, material for you that you could use as a reference to these letters, the Hebrew letters. Now, let me put it this way, and then we're going to dive into Psalms 110. The Reformation that was, began with Luther, the justification by faith, was meant to reform. Why the, the Reformation was for this purpose. I asked the Lord, I said, what was it for? Because this is a different thing going on. He says, I reform you from uh, in the hand, occidentally. What I mean by that, the world is split up into two hemispheres. The West is primarily known for the hand of God. The East is known for the face of God. And I restore first by the hand before, and this is the likeness of God, before I restore by the image, which is the face of God. And he said, what's happening, my people, is they're divided. We have divided loyalty. So the Reformation, that you're justified by faith, what that purpose of that is, is to bring you from a divided heart to a Davidic heart. A heart that is loyal to him to the core. So the Reformation's purpose that's been working out since the 95 Thesis were slammed on the Wittenberg door was to bring about covenantal loyalty that would head west to restore the likeness of God in us. By faith alone. By the word alone. And you know, you know the soul is maybe, but... Sola Scriptura, you know, and these different solas that, that Luther put in. But after there's a Reformation, and what, what I would say is, is take this, death, burial, resurrection. The Reformation, the purpose of it is to bring about resurrection. But the restoration of God, the restoration is meant to behold his face in the image of God. So that, listen to this, it's reformation by likeness, reformation by likeness and restoration by image. Reformation in the hand headed west, restoration in the face headed east. You got it? So you're, you are uh, to now turn east. What happens in the garden? Which path is shut to the Adam and Eve? On the eastern side, you head west back through the cherubim. You come back to the garden. I'm, I'm not saying like Adam and Eve, but you've been restored by the blood of Jesus. 
reformed in the blood, but now he says, let's go back out of the garden and let's build with me restoration. So reformation of likeness, because you're creating God's image and likeness, reformation of likeness, restoration and image. Now we're going to behold his face, his character of his face, his eyes. It's completely different. And the Lord has, has this uh, happening. Um, and if you'll notice, there's a point to this. So divided heart, Davidic. Out from Davidic, headed east. You see it? You see it? See how this works? So I'm headed west. My heart's been divided. I'm being reformed by the path of the Roman road. You know, it's, it's Roman. Now I'm turning around. I'm headed east. I'm being restored by image. Hebraic. So this is, he showed me this. You can take the book of Romans and overlap it with the book of Hebrews. And I said, man, that's like brilliant. I've never heard anybody do that either. All right. So in, in this ascension is now this image where I'm being restored and my image is being restored orientally. There's been a false orient and a false occidental, right? We've watched movies. Everybody's seen this when the orient guy comes in from uh, Nepal or Tibetan orient and they try to help you find yourself and all that. You know, there's a false oriental and a false occidental, but there is a, a righteous Roman path that doesn't lead back to Rome in the sense of Catholicism for the likeness to be restored. And there's a right path in restoration back to image. Do you see God's hand and his face? What's interesting, and I learned this later, was, and, and um, C.S. Lewis writes on this, that the first part, the Reformation deals with form, and is masculine. The restoration deals with image and is feminine. So God reforms man to the, the masculine feature of your soul to install the feminine aspect inside of the form. Corinthians 11, man is not independent of woman and woman is not independent of man, but woman came from man Reformation, and man goes back through woman. Restoration. And in this way, the mystery of marriage is solved. God's image and likeness. A complete union of male and female in the human soul. The world is reacting against this, but God has a path. And I want to suggest to you, because this is what we're I'm just bent on this, is once God gets this on the earth, what Jesus' blood paid for, our reformation and restoration, you know what he'll have? Transfiguration. There comes a point where a human can only be upgraded so much. And the Lord is going to see this quality of his life in us, and he's going to say, Acts 3.21, Jesus is retained in the heavens until the what? The what of all things? When the image of God's face shines on us and we are looking at him, this full restoration, it gives glory to Jesus and his retainer, his legal retainer that he's under right now by the Father comes off of him. He splits the what sky? He splits the eastern sky and there's our king ruling and governing the earth 
Now do you see? We're on a path of restoration now, a path of a path into the image of God, into the eyes of God. Not just not just beholding his face, but his very eyes, down to the eyes, down to the pupil. While he's gazing on us and we're looking at him. And his love relationship between him as father and we as sons and daughters. So Psalms 110. So you see this. Psalms 119 is the vertical path of the letter, character of the letters being installed, which uh, reintegrates the word back into us. And so that the the eternal covenant is being installed into us so that uh, we have been completely, completely restored. So much so that it will lead to transfiguration. It says in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Now I wanted to put that out because... That's what's in a little bit of what's in my head every day. It actually informs the way I live my life every single day. I think about this when I wake up. I think about this when I, I was like, Lord, install the word. Put the next verse in. So I was oh, come on. He sets up something, an encounter, and I can tell you exactly what verse I'm located at and I'm ascending. You know, I'm at uh, Psalms 119, 117 right now. I'm coming out of the Semek, headed towards the Ayan, which is the eye of God, the seven spirits of God. It's, uh, I've got it classed in phases, everything. And I give you all this. I want to. It comes from him. So let's just look at a real simple thing with 110, and then we'll close. On your, your diagram that you, you drew, I want you to put with number one, just put Sit. And then S-I-T. And then number two, next to two, put scepter. And then number three, put submit. Number four, put swear. And that doesn't mean to cuss somebody out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Number five, put uh, strike. Number six, put sentence. Sentence like a judge would pass a sentence. And then number seven, put satiate. Now, you know, the Lord, he taught me this back at, back at the fire department over 10 years ago. He's like, if, I want to show you the methodology of worship. This is the methodology of how you progress in the Lord. This is what the apostle we're wanting to get at. There's, there's an extensive understanding here. And I'm just going to m- make some highlights to you. Uh, and, then, and then we'll close. The Lord says to my Lord, what? Sit. Sit. Until your enemies are under your feet. Until your enemies are made your footstool. So it's Adonai... And Yahweh. And so Adonai and Yahweh. Adonai's looking at Yahweh. Yahweh's looking at Adonai. It's only in that look that you can get your enemies under your feet. You're not going to get your enemies under your feet another way, guys. It doesn't work, actually. You, I think everybody in here, like, knows that. Like, the hard way. Like, I'm going to go try to talk somebody down and try to fix this. and <laughs> that don't work. 
It just don't work. You get in the wrong headspace, and they say, you know, you're in a conflict. It just doesn't work. You, you have to wait on the Lord. You sit until a peace comes over you. And so, so the next verse, it says, the Lord extends your dominion from Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Now, now you might be asking yourself a question, or this is speaking of, of the king. It, yes, it is. This is a royal psalm. This is for the royal family. But it's also speaking to little K's and little L's. Little king, you know, and little lords. Not the Lord, not the king, but a king, a lord. This is speaking to us as the pattern of ascension, the tip of the spear. So the Lord extends your dominion from Zion. What is Zion? It's simply put, this is the only way I know how to describe Zion. Zion is the place where heaven and earth come together. It's not this long distance between heaven and earth. Uh, Stephen and I have been talking, we've been reading the House of Tom Bombadil, a number of us, by uh, C.R. Wiley. It's not allegory, it's analogy. Uh, can you explain that, Stephen? Sorry I put you on the spot. Can you, can you explain the difference between allegory and analogy? Um, because this is really important because we've thought of like heaven almost like an allegory. Um, but it's really an analogy. It's not an allegory. What's, what's the difference? Um, allegory is, is pretty much always a one-to-one ratio. Um, in other words, in the Pilgrim's Progress, the character of Christian, he is a specific one-to-one relationship to every Christian in a path with God. So he has no necessarily character or life on his own whereas an analogy would be more like the lord of the rings where sometimes you view you can see yourself in aragorn sometimes you can see jesus in aragorn sometimes you can see the different things there's kind of the characters themselves have a life that also represents another meaning at the same time does that help yeah um, it's not one-to-one. Analogy is not one-to-one. It's not one-to-one. It carries a, a deeper meaning or an inherent meaning in the, or a connotation with it. Because, what is it? You're more than all the sum of your parts. There's a specialness about you and a resonation of who you are that's more than just, you know, just what we see, like your figure moving around. You're, you have a soul. And, uh, and so analogy is different. We've thought about Zion, I think, a lot of times as a place, and, and Brad said this a lot, when there's personhood there. So it's different. We call Zion a place, but in Zion is real personhood. It's the union of heaven and earth in, in, inside of us. There's real, there's real wholesomeness because the whole person is involved. It's not just about getting into a place. And so you can't govern and rule with a scepter when there's not this union of the, the, this component. If it's some kind of like out there kind of weird ethereal thing, it's not Zion. Zion is like in here. Zion transmits out of you. You know when you've been in worship and you feel that authority come out of you? Like you're not in your head space, so to speak, but something's coming out of you, but you don't know what. That's Zion. And you begin to, you, you'll see me do this, I'll start shouting a lot of times. 
you know, like that, that's Zion because it just came down. The scepter is extending, right? Okay. So you can't govern when your enemy's on your feet because you'll be talking out of your own head. You'll be talking out of your own emotions. Zion isn't out of your emotions and out of your head space. And you can feel it. The authority is really there. And it, it transmits. Like I've watched it. It goes and hit, boom, 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 boom. It's moving across, you know. And you know when you're not, and you know when you are. Samuel is, said his words didn't what? And fall to the ground. They were hitting on. Boom. If there's a disconnection inside of you, you're not at Zion. You've got to wait to get your enemy under your feet. If you're finding that your communication, your song, your writing doesn't have substance or depth, you can know you're not at Zion. Well, I don't want to hear that. Well, that means your enemy's not under your feet. There's an enemy. You need to sit until, wait. Don't, you don't want to activate out of that because your words will go out and boop, and then you'll be like, and people will look at you like, I think you have daddy issues or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. I mean, it's something's off. You're not in, I mean, I've had my wife say it to me. Not, she says, I, I, you're off, Carol. You know, I see it in your eyes. You know, and now you're on, and I love it when you're on, but I know when you're off too. So it's possible to, your enemy's all around you, and you're not, you got to sit and wait. All right, and so it says your people will follow you into battle. You don't need to go around trying to get people to get on your team. Like in that, you know, sort of like that weird thing that so many, I've done it. Oh, so much, man. It's like trying to get somebody to side with you. Oh, my Lord, that is so miserable. Like to get yourself proven in front of somebody or say, you know what? I got this great thing going. Won't you come hang out? And you feel like you got to convince somebody. Oh, it's miserable. Why not let the Lord do that for you instead of like trying to get somebody to your side of things or your idea? Why not let him do it? Your pe they'll volunteer freely. You don't have to pay. I mean, you don't have to. You could give them money and stuff, but you don't have to. You don't have to lie to make friends. <laughs> you don't have to pay your friends. You could. You could bless everybody, but you don't have to do that because you're not. You don't have anything to prove. You can be questioned about anything. It doesn't matter anymore. Why? They'll volunteer freely when they want to, and and that freedom, freedom like that is wonderful. So, it says that you have the dew of your youth. It says that when the dawn rises, you'll have the dew of your youth. Listen, I don't like this. Don't give in to death. Don't, don't give in to that kind of mindset. Yes, a lot of our hair is turning gray. <laughs> or falling out, you know. you know. But don't give in to that because he said out of the dawn, you will receive the dew of youth. It says here, actually, I found this week, this week, I have begotten you. It's one thing to be adopted. It's another thing to be beget. I have fathered you. And now he says, I swear, I'm not going back on this. You're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I've unioned, uh, I've unioned these two offices together. This is tip of the spear. Listen, I've, I've taken... I've taken your need to know who you are 
And I've blended it with the character or righteousness that you need. See, righteousness related to kingship. This Zadok righteousness related. I need both the nature. I need your character and your anointing. So in this way, there's a blending of the offices. There's a blending of male and female. There's a blending of Jew and Greek. There's a blending of bond and free. So now there's not a split, actually, between us socioeconomically and our genders. We're not splitting male and female and in our marriages. And even ethnically, we're not divided. Do you all see how important this is? No more ethnic division. We, we, the, the ethnic division is not solved by patronizing people. Socioeconomics and class, class bond and free is not solved by um, a way that a lot of the world has tried to solve socioeconomics. Our marriages are not going to be solved. Male and female issues are not going to be solved except in this way when the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Our relationship and the way we speak to one another is not going to be solved without this methodology. It has to be that the character of the letters informs our word, and now we can communicate with one another and with the Father rightly by his word. Now, I know we'll pick it up next week maybe, but I know it's got long, but listen. Ascension, this is so important. The Lord's blending together the blue of self-discovery and to be known, and he's blending it with righteousness, the red, that comes from him and him alone to produce a royal family. We're not a party, we're a family. And in this ascension, as we're going up, tip of the spear, male, female, Jew, Greek, Jew, Gentile, Jew, and all the nations, bond and free. The Lord's going to have no more ethnic division, no more socioeconomic division, and no more gender division, but a union in Him. paid the fare he's actually paid for you to play and out of play you can work he paid for you to have a good time you're he's paid for it it's already covered all the costs for for you it's already covered for you it's like something that man so many things are trying to tell us something different but let us hear the testimony that comes from heaven. I'm restoring the image and likeness of me. I'm restoring your division so that you'll be one in me. I and the Father am one and I long for you to be one with me. All his enemies are under his feet and he says he's sat down at the right hand of God. He's where he's seated right now, interceding on our behalf for this to happen on the earth.
Oh, please, Father, what you did with me, like, let it run through the course of history 2,000 years, and it pops out in these little house meetings and church meetings all over the earth. The blood of Jesus is, like, piercing down deeper and deeper and deeper into us. The diffusion of God's Spirit, not that He's diffused in Himself because He's a person, but His life is a... We're breathing Him in. We're taking the deep breath of yod heh vav -Hey. It's the fortitude to look up and say, Oh man, Bethlehem and Jerusalem, they were tough for you. They've been pretty tough on me, but, but I want this, Lord. I'm not backing off. I'm not going anywhere. Where else are we going to go? We don't have anywhere else to go. Lord, you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we be? But to be found in you. And I want to be found at you here, yes, but I want to be found at you at home, in my car, at my business, in my job. I want to be found in you all the time. I don't want to be dropping out of the heavens because I got my eyes back on something else instead of you. I want a perpetual union with you, Lord. I want you to dwell fully in my soul and I don't want any more disconnect. No more disconnection. No more. Hey, I know Jesus said this. He said, hey, you hang out with me one more hour. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Oh, Lord, give us the strength and the courage and the fortitude over and over and over again. All this next week, all the weeks until we meet you and you split this eastern sky. As a, oh, we have you. We have everything. say why I just say yes Lord say you're sovereignly good I receive your full right you've been purchased and bought with a price he paid for it by his own blood everything's been covered I'm yours Lord I'm yours Lord I'm yours Lord took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You know, it's so wonderful. Words is telling me, said, I'm so satiated. Psalms 110.7. And the Lord shall drink in by the brook in the way, and there he shall lift up his government, his head. He's so satisfied. I know this from him because he said, I'm so satisfied in you. You're all saying yes. You're not holding back. You're the Lord's. You're not backing off. You really do love him. We have this great privilege to be together. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. 
Do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may you have peace. Amen. Bless you today. And a dress and veil as snow. And he said he'd come for me. He'd know when I'm ready. And my heart is aching for the coming of the Lord. Must get ready now. I must get ready now. I must get ready now. For behold, my bridegroom comes. Oh, I must get ready now. Bye.